You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. I've also got the privilege of um, inviting up our speaker today. One of the elders at our church, he's um, been here from the start. He's one of the most optimistic people I think I've ever met. Um, He's doing the half marathon in September and he's not started training yet, but he's still... (laughs) really believes that he's going to do the whole thing um, and he's going to speak to us today. It's going to be amazing. So, Mark's a Massive hand for Mark. Thank you. Watch me as I walk to the other side and pick up this beautiful thing because there's a, there's a whole bit this morning about being prepared and Lois has so wonderfully illustrated how prepared I am for the half marathon. She doesn't know that that's going to fit in nicely in a few minutes. Um, Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you, uh, preaching the final in our series on Acts. We've had a great August looking at all sorts of different parts of Acts. And if we've not met before, my name is Mark, as Lois said, um, one of the leaders here at Redeemer. And looking forward to getting to know some new faces that have joined us through lockdown over the last 18 months. Um, So if we haven't met, then hopefully we will soon. This morning is all about playing your part, taking uh, part in sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth and getting caught up in God's story. And we're going to get straight into it. We're going to be reading from Acts 9. Um, if you've got physical Bibles, then feel free to look at Acts 9, verse 10. We're going to be looking at the story of Ananias, and it should come up on the screen. Just give you a minute to find where we're at. Fantastic. Starting at verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And I'm quickly going to read a few verses from Acts 22 which is Paul speaking about the same event, which says, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. 
I wonder how people introduce you. I wonder how people introduce you at a party. Imagine you're at a party and you have a mutual friend and he or she introduces you to somebody else. I hope people introduce me something like this. This is Mark. He's a technology visionary and leader. <laughs> how I invariably get introduced is, this is Mark. Um, he's a dad geek who likes trains. <laughs> Maybe we should be desiring to be introduced as, this is Mark, Jesus' disciple. Imagine in this day, in a party in Ealing, somebody introduces you Mark, Jesus' disciple. Ananias in the story was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That first and foremost, if you take nothing else from this morning. Today we're going to hear about how ordinary Christians, like you and me, like Ananias, are used time and time again by God. In reality, it's the story of how two men are converted, both Saul and Ananias. But consider the differences between these two guys. A few verses before, if you don't know the story, Saul has been blinded by Jesus in a, in a meeting with him on the road to Damascus. He's on his way to imprison and maybe put to death the followers of Jesus in Damascus. Ananias was already a follower of Jesus. Sometimes um, in that day they called themselves followers of the way, which is just referencing Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. Ananias is doing that, um, but being a Christ follower in those days was dangerous. And Saul was out to get them. No matter how close or far from God you are, God is pulling you in. He's pulling Saul in and he's pulling Ananias in at the same time. Completely different ways. And they mix in the same story. Saul was a Pharisee trying to um, put a stain on those who misrepresent his faith. He was well educated, politically connected, and he was a driven guy. And yet he still needed a Christian friend. How many of your non-Christian friends even know that you're a Christian? Let's start right there. I was reminded during worship of a, a friend of mine called Brett, and he got married, but known him for a long time. Um, he got married about 10 years ago, and he was talking to Abby and I about his wedding. And he, they'd chosen to get married in a church, even though he's not a believer. And he was asking me about the vows and the verses and all these things that you say and what songs you should even sing in a church. And I was just ambly chatting away, like, like small talk. And I suddenly was like, Brett, do you have any other Christian friends? And he was like, no, no, you're the only one. I was like, oh. So suddenly the weight of this conversation is hugely more significant than I was expecting. So then suddenly I backtrack and I was like, this is what this vow means. And this is what this bit in the Bible means. And this is what this song means. It hadn't dawned on me that my friend had no other Christian friends. How many of our friends are like that? And in this story, Saul needed a Christian friend, and that was Ananias. He forgives, uh, Paul's new Christian friend, Ananias, he forgives Saul uh, for his persecution of those Jesus Christ followers and actually greets him with a warm and forgiving, encouraging tone. And although we must remember that Saul had spent three days in the dark because he'd been blind for three days, he'd also had time to think about what he was about to give up. He'd had um, a successful career destined to be as a rabbi in his, in his hometown. And he would have been imagining what it's going to be like to be a Christ follower. Completely different, full of trials and testings. Christianity is about transformation from within. It's about Jesus transforming our lives from within. 
We've heard so much this morning already about prayer, about the transformation of prayer. But Ananias is a man of prayer, a committed man. It says in verse 14, those who call on his name. He was an ordinary Christian, just like us, who God uses in the early church. But he's still a human. He still had doubts. God told him to go and speak to Saul, who he knew was out to get him. A crazy act to go and hang out with your would-be assassin. God always has another move. That's what we've got to take this morning. God always has another move. If any of you ever uh, watched that Netflix show uh, about chess, the Queen's Gambit, it's the story of this, of this girl who's a chess genius. And at, throughout the series, she gets, well, she gets better and better at chess, so that doesn't ruin anything. And she's always got this other move. And so often the episode is about, oh, she's in a hole, she's in a hole, she's in a hole, and then she gets this killer move. God always has another move. If you think back to when the Israelites are escaping from Egypt, they've escaped, they're on their way to freedom, and suddenly they hit the Red Sea. The chariots and the Egyptians are racing after them. But Moses follows the instruction, and, and boom, God has another move. The seas parted and they escaped. Or maybe we think to David and Goliath. Goliath, intimidating guy. David picks up a stone and God has another move. Or maybe we think to Jesus and the cross. Jesus is literally dead. His body is in a tomb. His disciples are all over the place. But God has another move. And Jesus rises on the third day. What's our position this morning? What's God's other move in your life? Maybe he's already shown it to you, but you've ignored it. Maybe you're in a relationship hole. Maybe you're in a financial hole. God has always got another move. Here, Saul is coming in the story. The Christians are scared. Ananias was used because of his devotion to Christ. It's clear from the way he he knows the gospel. He knows his Father in heaven. Jesus appears to him in a vision. And he was able to go on that mission, that scary mission to go and hang out with his would-be assassin because he trusted the Lord. Jesus doesn't need advisors or strategists. He's already got that covered. He needs foot soldiers on the battlefield. You must have heard that phrase before. Ananias was ready when the opportunity came. He was prepared. He was prepared. Being prepared is a very sensible thing to do such as getting your pulpit in the right place, such as running ahead for the marathon that you know is going to come four weeks to go. I need to do more than 5K. (laughs) This week, just gone, Abby and I and and the kids have been in the New Forest, and I attempted to take the family cycling. Now, in some ways, I thought I was overly prepared for this trip. In some ways, I was utterly unprepared. And in a minute, when I, when I say I'm going to show you a photo. Um, so two months ago, very nicely prepared, I bought the roof rack attachments for my bike for the top of my car. I then left them in the shed for two months until the day before we went to go camping, which point I got them out of the box and they did not fit my roof box <laughs> on the top of my car. They were too wide. Uh, the screws didn't fit. It was a no-go. I had brought bought the wrong ones. So, it's fine. I've got an old hangy thing on the back of the car, which I'll dig out the shed. So this time last week, Sunday morning before church, because we were going to scoot off after church, um, 
We fitted these to the these bikes. Let's show the first picture. That's us outside our house. Three bikes on the back. Looks great, doesn't it? In the one mile from my house to here, last Sunday, um, we had to stop because they were so wobbly and so dangerous um, that people were literally pointing at us on the Uxbridge Road. Um, so <laughs> after church, Toby and Isaac helped me tighten up the straps again, started driving, we went home. I took them out, I took them off the car, I put them back in the shed. It's not going to happen, guys. I'm not driving 90 miles down to the New Forest with this. So I hired bikes in the New Forest from people who were well prepared and had all the right bits. <laughs> However, I'll show you this. My brother-in-law was also camping this week, and he managed to get them on the top of his car, but he wasn't prepared for this. Show them the next picture. That was Uncle Matthew. Didn't do much better than us. We need to be prepared for when God calls us. We need to be better prepared than my cycling adventures or my running or anything else that I fail to prepare for. Ananias was ready. He could still see the barriers in the he could still see barriers up against him, but he still obeyed the Lord. He wasn't like the Jonah of the Old Testament, who, when called to go to Nineveh, went in the opposite direction. To Ananias, obedience to God was not an option. He was faithful to the words of the Lord. Life has moments we can't predict. Life has moments where we're scared. But sometimes we're called to love those who are dangerous to us. Oh, what does that mean? Godly risk, godly risk is right. Sometimes it means taking someone into your home, maybe even adopting. There'll always be an excuse not to do it because it's messy. There'll always be an excuse to do something else. But serving at food banks or serving at winter night shelters, lending someone your family car, sometimes these things are, are the right thing to do. Don't miss your Ananias moment this morning. Don't miss your Ananias moment. What story has God been guiding you to? What story has he got for you? God tells Saul and Ananias the same thing. Get up and go. Saul, who doesn't know the Lord, is treated slightly differently to Ananias, who clearly does. Saul is just given simple, childlike instructions. Get up, go to the city, sit in a dark room for three days. Ananias is given more of a relational guidance, which is what we know about relationships. To this point, Saul's been the enemy of the Lord. So Saul is not treated in the same way, but the instructions are essentially the same. When he hears God's instructions, Ananias does protest. Let's not pretend that he doesn't. Saul is an evil man who's trying to arrest believers in Damascus. The idea of going and praying for Saul is a scary proposition. And I wonder if he was sitting there thinking, you've got to be kidding. I've got to pray for my enemy. I got that bit. But do I have to pray for my enemy in the same room as my enemy? That's an entirely different thing. We know that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, says exactly that. But I didn't think he really meant it. It feels much more natural for us to rant about our enemies, insult dehumanize rather than pray for them. And as I was preparing this this week, it did get me thinking the word enemy seems like quite a strong word. I think of enemy as like nation states, enemies against each other. I don't feel like I have an enemy in my life. But of course, really what we're talking about is people that we don't love like Jesus. 
people at our workplace, people in our schools, people wherever. People on the, on the roundabout who don't give way to you. Praying for those people that you struggle to pray for. That's what Ananias is showing us this morning. He was a devout man, we know that. But God does things with a purpose. Even though there are loads of unanswered questions in this situation, we can be sure that God does things with a purpose. And I wonder why God chose Ananias. Why did he choose Ananias for this mission? It says that he was a devout man according to the law, yes. He has good testimony with his fellow Jews in the city, yes. He was also used because he was a man of spirit with a faith for healing the sick. Saul was blind. As far as he was concerned, he was blind forever. It wasn't just the 12 apostles. It was ordinary Christians like you and me and Ananias, like us, who have faith for healing the sick. Paul writes later, the healing gift is for the common good. It's for everyone. For the strengthening of the church in particular. Why do we have weeks of prayer in this church? Why do we have constant prayer meetings time and time again? Why do we have a prayer team, which I'll mention later? Because we know that God hears our prayers. Ordinary Christians like us see visions of Jesus, call sinners to repentance, heal them, baptize them, send them out and train them. None of us are too ordinary because of God's extraordinary power within us. Sometimes I imagine Paul walking around with a halo on his head, walking on cloud nine. But of course, it was nothing like that. As soon as he was saved, I had in my head that he would go and start his ministry straight away. But actually, we learn that it was probably more like a decade later that he started his work. He spent years in Bible study and prayer. He's got a lot of unpicking to do from his history. Hearing God's will for his life before he was ready to go public. He gave himself the foundational principles in the word. He got baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave himself to Bible study, to prayer, praying for the sick. God wants us to be like Paul and Ananias. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit is something I've mentioned several times already this morning. And I'm aware that some of us might not know what that means. And I just want to mention briefly that we have a prayer team afterwards who will gladly speak that through. We believe in praying for the Holy, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, a Redeemer. But I haven't got time to go into all of that this morning. Don't underestimate the power of being used by God. The gospel is made for sharing. It's good news that we shouldn't keep for ourselves. It's not about take, take, take. It's not me, me, me. When I spend too much time with myself, I start to become selfish. And I found that this week, when you're sitting on a holiday, not loads to do, um, you look at other people's caravans and tents and you think, oh, their tent looks amazing. I bet they're having a great time. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, these massive camper vans, and I start looking online, ah, oh, if only I had another 90 grand. <laughs> I, went to, I even went to the harbour. We, you know, we bought fish and chips from the harbour, as you do, down in Christchurch where we were. And there's all these fancy boats, and suddenly I'm here thinking, I should buy a boat. <laughs> no, I shouldn't buy a boat. I don't know anything about boats. I get seasick, for goodness sake. We don't need stuff. The gospel is about sharing the good news of Jesus and following Jesus as a disciple. Redeemer doesn't even exist here just to bless you. 
We are here to enable you, to train you, to go out and to share your story, to model Jesus, be guided by him. It says in Psalm 67, God blesses us so that we may go and be a blessing. All of the nations. We've got a gift. We've got a gift that we want to share. Paul is doing his job by sharing the gospel. And Ananias is doing the same. So tell your story. We've got this acronym at Redeemer, if you've been around, you'll have heard it, the BLESS model. It stands for be prayerful. We've mentioned that about 100 times this morning. Listen to others, eat with others, serve others, share your story with others. That's the model. Sometimes these things take months and years. Sometimes they take five minutes. But people tend to listen to your story because they can't argue with it. It's your story. But being clear about our story allows Jesus to bring hope to other people. I'm convinced of that. And people generally don't relate to the perfect story. They don't relate to the perfect person. The illusions of the big tents and boats. Don't be the good person in the corner with good morals because you need to share your story outwardly. You've got to be chatting to people, sharing the gospel, just like Ananias was called to do. And praying for your enemy. Big word, but praying for people who currently you don't feel like praying for. And my goodness, watch God change you as you pray for them. This story of Jonah, which I mentioned, he hated the Ninevites so much that he was prepared not just to go the other way, yes, get on a boat, go the other way, yes, and then commit suicide. He asked the sailors to throw him overboard. You read it in the book of Jonah. He would rather commit suicide than have God show grace on the city of Nineveh. He said, show me over the side. But God had another move by means of a big fish which is a fun, good move. Everyone in that story obeys God except Jonah, even the fish, even the storms and the waves. In the story in Acts, Saul has spent his life forgetting the promises in his scriptures in Isaiah, the promises that God was there to save all nations. And he spent his life devoted to fighting the Gentiles. But the reality is, in order to reach the lost Here in Ealing 2021, we all need to be listening to God. We need Paul's and Ananias's and Ananias's. Following his word and being faithful disciples. How do we be a discipled people here? There's some really simple steps you can take if you're not. Being here on a Sunday. Being prayerful. Being in a meetup, like Lois said. And if you're doing all those things, then being in accountability three. That's a great start. Do we want to spend more time with God? Yes. Do we want God to use us in loving our enemies? Yes. I wonder if some of our response today should be even naming that person that we're going to pray for. Who are we going to love outwardly? Who are we going to be a disciple for this morning? Who has God already directed you towards, but you've jumped on a ship and going the other way? What if Ananias had said, no, I'm going to go the other way? I'm going to flee. God is going to use us for great things. I'm going to ask Abby up as well. 
as I get you guys to think, is your faith ready for risk? Are you really willing to be used by God? As Pete brought earlier, come and focus on the risen Jesus. Because he's got a great story here for you this morning. He's calling you to be a disciple. He's calling us to love our enemies. And as we've seen time and time again, he's willing and able and keen to use the ordinary Christian because of his extraordinary power.